0: KBTC, a viewer supported community service of Bates Technical College. From KBTC Public Television Studios in Tacoma, Washington, it's the Northwest Now Podcast. Each week, we take a closer look at the people and issues that affect all of us here in Western Washington. So sit back, relax, and join the conversation with your host, Tom Layson.
1: It is one of the most beautiful areas of Washington State, Chelan County's Icicle Creek Watershed, from the Alpine Lakes Wilderness to Leavenworth and all the recreation, agricultural, and tourism hotspots in between. But there's a problem, and I'm sure it comes as no surprise that the problem is water. Tonight, we hear from members of a group that has been working for a decade to solve the water problem, and preview a new film that documents the strategy for combating climate change, which is sure to make Icicle Creek water even harder To come by in the future. The story of the Icicle Creek Workgroup is next on Northwest Now. (music) Who would have ever thought we'd have a water problem in a place like Chelan County, surrounded by the high cascades? Well, the east side has always been a little drier, but then when we add in the water needed for acres of pears and apples, the water needed to accommodate the growth in Leavenworth and the water needed to try to preserve a remnant of the bull trout, Chinook salmon and rare West Slope cutthroat trout populations, you can start to see the problem. For years, litigation was the order of the day, as irrigators, environmental groups, local governments, and tribes competed for an increasingly scarce resource. But problems weren't really getting solved that way, so the Icicle Work Group was formed in hopes of finding a way to stretch the region's most scarce resource. A new film documents that problem and the solutions. Here's a preview.
2: Check out this river. It's full of water, right? Well, sort of. There's a little more to the story. This is the Icicle Watershed. It's a pretty beautiful place, tucked in the eastern slopes of the Cascade Mountains near the Bavarian-themed town of Leavenworth. With epic views, crystal clear water, and diverse wildlife, you could say it's magical.
3: The Icicle Creek in this area, uh, the Pum area, is uh, continues to be an important part of our not only our history but also our special relationship uh, to the salmon
4: what's unique about the icicle watershed is that all of the headwaters come from the alpine lakes wilderness area it's one of the most popular wilderness areas in the region
1: it is truly a glorious area
2: So as you might guess, settlers came and the communities here grew. Farmers began to grow crops like apples and pears. People visited and moved here to play in the incredible outdoors. The demand for water got higher and higher.
5: There's a lot of competing uses for water. You have the Icicle
0: Shaston Irrigation District, which is feeding our, you know, crucial, thriving agricultural industry. And you have the city of Leavenworth.
5: The majority of our water comes from the Icicle
0: and has for years and years and years. And you have the fish hatchery, which is, you know, essential for making up for the the damage to the native fish that were done by Grand Coulee Dam.
3: The salmon too have a right to complete their their life cycle in in the manner that, that was prescribed for them. That includes habitat, that includes clean water, cold water.
0: The greatest thing that I want more than anything is for my grandchildren to be able to fish and their grandchildren to be able to fish. So there's lots of important um, big water users and not enough water.
2: So what do you do when you're running out of water? Take it to the judicial branch of our government, naturally. Litigation.
1: Litigation between the the tribes and the county, between the irrigation districts and environmental
3: groups.
5: One of the things that happened to Leavenworth some years ago was the Department of Ecology took away some of our water rights. It
3: was very challenging. Uh, We had lawsuits year in and year out for many years.
2: After a lot of getting nowhere, some people started to wonder if there was a better way.
5: Basically, litigation is all about determining a winner and a loser. Um, Working cooperatively is about how do we all come out as winners. Maybe it's better to see if we can cooperate rather than litigate. All the farmers, irrigators,
2: NGOs, agencies, and tribes decided to settle things in a different way. They all wanted the same thing, a healthy watershed with enough water for everyone. So they formed. You can see the entire film right here on KBTC on
1: Friday, December 1st at 7 p.m. And to learn more about the Icicle Work Group and to see the film online, just go to iciclestrategy.com. Joining us now are Melissa Downs, policy lead for the Department of Ecology's Columbia River Office, Chelan County Commissioner Sean Smith, president of Harndon Orchards and a director of the Icicle and Peshastin Irrigation District, Darrell Harndon, and Davis Yellow Ash Washines, representing the Yakima Nation. Melissa, I want to start with you. Um, I know you could go for an hour on the history of how this group formed, but what was the problem? What did the group, what problem did the group solve and how was it brought together?
0: Well, the problem, um, if you're familiar with any, you know, thing in, in the world of water is litigation. There were many parties in the basin that were litigating and uh, we were really looking for a non-litigious pathway to solve water resource and water supply problems. So in 2012, the Department of Ecology and Chelan County co-convened what's now the Icicle Work Group, um, inviting those that are either water users or those that had water resource management interest in the basin to come talk about, hey, what, what's going on and how can we solve um, problems of today, but in the future as well.
1: And an important point, this isn't a couple of guys in a room. This is 20 stakeholder groups, right? I mean, this is, there's a lot of angles um, to this.
0: Correct. Federal, state, local, environmental, agricultural, tribal um interests coming to the table
1: sean you're a young guy which is a good thing for you so i'm going to ask you to reach back a little bit into your history and your knowledge of chelan county back when you know the fish were running freight there was no water problem back when irrigators first showed up and we'll talk to uh daryl a little bit about this it really wasn't an apparent problem Um, it was it was the middle of nowhere back then what changed in the intervening decades when it comes to the development of the county and cities and growth what
4: happened Well, I think the fact that we got discovered as uh, a place that people want to be. And when that discovery happens, uh, it it turns into a situation of supply and demand. And what we've been confronting uh, lately is the fact that we truly are running out of water for the proposed development that's coming forward. And we're wanting to do everything we can to protect the county's resources, but yet still provide the ability for people that want to come here, visit here, live here, um, that the water it seems to be the linchpin.
1: Oh yeah, and I think that's true all across the Intermountain of the American mm-hmm. West for sure. Um, Daryl, um, interesting perspective from the from the irrigators and the growers over there. Back when that started, there was no concern about growth or any problems. It was the middle of nowhere. There was plenty of water. Let's plant some acres. Nobody cares. They're not going to build vacation homes over here ever. Talk to, talk a little bit about that history and how did how did growers and irrigators kind of step away from their position a little bit about, hey, folks, we were here first. So don't be putting a straw on our river.
5: Yeah, it, it, in times past, none of these concerns were apparent to us. But as the years have gone on and uh, a big part of it is watching lawsuits that have come about for uh, different uh, uses of the water and realizing that, um, you know, it's nothing's guaranteed. And if we want to keep our rights to the water, then we've got to get a place at the table and, and be there to defend them. Davis,
1: of course, when we talk about water rights, um, to somebody who's a Native American, that's probably borders on the on the funny to some degree because you know uh, you uh, were there, your people were there a long time prior to irrigators and developers and anybody else who has a has a has an interest there. With that said, in more recent history, I was interested to learn how d- how did this water situation start and the fish migration problem start? It wasn't in the icicle; it was downstream, right?
3: Yes, in 1988, uh, there was an agreement called the Grand Coulee Agreement, and included in that agreement was uh, what you'd heard about the mitigating uh, issues. And so, when the uh, confederate tribes and bands of the Aquinnah Nation, the fourteen, which uh, Winatchapum, which I am a descendant of, of that area, uh, reserved a fishery there, uh, six uh, square miles. And eventually um the railroad and the city of Le- Leavenworth eventually that's where that was the land that was the um the smaller reservation. And so but within the treaty is the reserved uh right to harvest at all unusual and accustomed places which even though it's off the reservation it's in our what is called our northern treaty territories yeah.
1: but i was interested to learn it was the, actually the construction of the grand coulee dam which i didn't re, until i got my map out i didn't really understood how it connected
3: well of course there there was no f- fish passage at grand coulee when they constructed it right and so now you're talking about uh, the losses of the migrating salmon which right. you know extend all the way up into the headwaters into canada yeah. so and how that affects uh, our other fisheries uh, within the basin so these were uh, concerns uh, that, that that we had as far as having continued to have the ability to harvest uh, an, an ice is one of those usual AND ACCUSTOMED. and so the uh, the idea of coming together with with other uh, <clears throat> entities other groups that have, Basically, facing the same concern is that how do we manage the water in the best way possible? Not only to meet the needs uh, of of people in the area, but also the needs of the, for instance, the hatchery. It was Mm -hmm. an antiquated hatchery, was uh, losing a lot of water for no reason, and so that's one of the main projects that. that the working group uh, focused on on the mitigation side. Anybody can chime in on this
1: one. Um, Do you feel that the icicle work group is an example to other watersheds of how, what can happen um, to maybe step back, bring people to, I feel like there's a trend that that's happening anyway in salmon recover. I kind of feel like um, there's been a lot of, I think people are coming to the realization that that's really the only way to make it work. But that's my opinion. What's your opinion? Do you feel like this is an example to others?
0: Well, Department of Ecology and through the Office of Columbia River, we are working on in several basins, the Yakima Basin, the Icicle Creek Watershed, the Walla Walla Basin, um, to do, in fact, this integrated water resource management planning and implementation to bring about ecosystem restoration, boost in stream flows, provide water supply reliability, and really build that climate-resilient Uh, future on water supplies.
1: I want to talk a little bit about giving to get because that's part of this work group. Um, Sean, what is the county giving? And I would guess one of the things is water meters because I'm sure that went over very poorly (laughs) and I don't even live there and Mm -hmm. and I'm guessing that wasn't well received. So maybe you're giving a little and what are you getting in return?
4: Well, I, I think in the art of the deal, you have to have compromise and you have yeah. to be able to work together. And if you uh, uh, stand too too firm, you're not going to get anything done from either side. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're looking at the fact that the water is in the ground, in our case, you know, I live on a, a piece of property with the private well. And the last thing I want to see happen is a water meter be put on my private well. <laughs> right. Is that something that's going to be needed in the, in the future? Do not know. We hope not. And hopefully through this work together uh, with the the working group that we're able to not have to go to that extreme, but when we're looking at commercial uses, that's one way that we can look at is there a wasteful situation that needs to be stopped or slowed down so that you can at least bring awareness to the fact that the waters is not being utilized to its fullest capacity, whether it be, you know, in a restaurant situation or uh, like Daryl has in the irrigation side of things, if it's not being used wisely. Is it gonna impact new and future permitting? Oh, I, I think it will definitely. Uh, impact. We're we're right now running out of water and, and one instance is in Kashmir and that watershed coming out of the Mission Creek area We've only got a small handful of building permits even uh, left that we can issue as a county, and of course we want to see that development done, but done responsibly so that we don't use up the resources that are so limited. Daryl, you guys, in my estimation of just doing the research on this, look like
1: you're giving in terms of having to make some pretty substantial investments um, in your irrigation technology and putting in drains and plugging up leaks in, um, you know, in the flumes and really having to spend some serious bucks. What are you getting out of it? Talk a little bit about that investment and then what you're getting out of it.
5: Yes, uh, well, the main uh, result of uh, the things we're doing is to guarantee a consistent supply of water uh, to carry us through the year. In the, as far as in the orchards, uh, the new irrigation systems that are going in are much more efficient. Uh, Low volume, low pressure type sprinkler heads, use the water a lot more efficiently uh, than than the older systems did, so uh, it's kind of just evolving with the times as the technology has improved. We've you know tried to adapt it to be able to use it in the orchards. Is
1: there a savings that will come with that eventually? Like if you cost it out over ten years, it's hey it was a pain now because it's a lot of capital investment from our members, but oh ten years from now it actually it actually
5: turns into our favor. Is that true at all or? I think yes. I believe to a certain extent that does happen. The new systems uh, require less labor. Um, you know that we we still have to do our maintenance and, and of the systems, but in in time, I think we use less labor and we get better results from the water. Mm-hmm. So it might be negligible, but it's it's valuable that we're doing it just to protect the the water that we have.
1: Davis, one might make the argument that, you know, your people already gave at the office, which was with with the decimation of the fish runs. What are you getting out of this? What is the value that comes um, not from being a litigant, but a participant um, in this process?
3: Well, I think it's uh, uh, a part of uh, uh, wanting to uh, get results. You know, a leader once told me, you know, we could be for whatever—clean air, uh, safer streets—but but but what have you accomplished? And so I think what this uh, working group does is the the accomplishments that have been made and that will continue to be made as long as uh, you know we focus on uh, what was just mentioned—was making sure that the water there's uh, adequate uh, water supply—and so. uh, in in the stream flow, like in the rivers, like during the drought season, there's uh, 60 cfs. Yeah. And then uh, when the, an average, it'll be but over 100 cfs. Cubic so, feet per second. Yeah. And the
1: goal is 200.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And so we we want to be able to have have uh, this what uh, the other panelists described. You know, good good uh, ability to not not waste the water. Yeah. And so that's one of the uh, main focus uh, that we have of the five projects is the Leavenworth uh, Hatchery, which you know is undergoing uh, reconstruction right now. So uh, those those are things that, uh, as uh, was earlier stated, you know, and back back in the day, I I come from a policy background, being on the tribal council, also chief of police for about 17 years. So I know the value of collaboration of solving complex yeah. problems, and so. Uh, that was back in the day when uh, the word was litigation. But that's, yeah. we've, we've come a long ways in saying, uh, you know, there are other ways to.
1: And having more water and producing more fish obviously does nothing but help the fishery and, and tribal interest in that regard. So here I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. Anybody can chime in on this. We reach our goal, now we have in stream flows during the tough summer and fall months when normally that river the icicle creek is down to almost nothing we now have 200 cubic feet per second running through it and things actually went better than they thought they were going to we got 250 sometimes pushing 300 depends on on how things are looking what guardrails in place from coming in and, and the county saying, "Well, we can put 300 more houses on the ground," and irrigators saying, "Well, I'm going to plant 500 more acres, yay, good for us," and the fish producers saying, "Well, guess what? We're going to double size the hatchery," and being right back in the same situation 10 or 15 years from now. What kind of is the, am I overstating that? Am I worried for no reason or? I'm kind of looking at the history of, for instance, building freeways. You know, we we tend to grow to capacity. What guardrails are in place? Anybody go?
4: Well, I think from a county standpoint, you know, we have the fact that we have building codes and we have zones and different uh, capacities that are already worked into our uh, uh, code that we have for our area. But one of the big things that really limits that expansion is the fact that such a small percentage of our county is actually in private ownership, about 13% the balance 87% is in federal control or state ah, control. So okay. the sidebars are boards are kind of already in place when you look at how big can we grow. And as locals, we don't want to grow out of control and end up turning into one of the suburbs of a bigger city. Right, but you, you know that if you put 300 vacation
1: homes on the ground over there, luxury vacation homes for a million buck a piece, they'd sell in a week.
4: They would sell you would come right over and buy them. Absolutely. Right. And we'd be happy to collect that sales tax. and We'd be happy to collect that <laughs> property tax. So but, we're not super concerned about that. Yeah. But it's just controlling that expansion in such a way that it is manageable and we don't you know consume the resources that we have and like you said when you're talking about building freeways we were just driving over here this morning saying they're almost finished with this freeway right now but it's already at capacity oh yeah so they add another layer or they add another lane or another expansion
1: Daryl, love the fruit growers, love love the product you produce, but what's to keep you from going and plant, putting down another 200 acres and putting us right back in the same situation?
5: Uh, basically, all the land that can be farmed is being farmed okay. now. There's not any additional acreage uh, to be developed in the in the basin that we're talking about. So,
4: well, the geography does it, too, when you're looking yeah. at how our valley is situated. Yeah. We're up to the hills already. There's no shoulder room yeah. anymore. The benches are...
5: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: yeah.
5: We're... WE FACE A BIGGER THREAT FROM DEVELOPMENT AND HOUSES GOING INTO EXISTING ORCHARD LAND THAT'S that's GOING OUT OF PRODUCTION. OKAY.
1: AND IS, is it ANY PROVISION, um, uh, MELISSA, IN THE LAW FOR THAT? OR IS THAT SOMETHING THE STATE'S KEEPING AN EYE ON TO MAKE SURE THAT A BUNCH OF GROWERS WHO'D SAID, YOU KNOW SOMETHING, I'M 73 YEARS OLD NOW, MY KIDS DON'T WANT TO FARM, I'M BUILDING HOUSES. AND YOU KNOW THAT HAPPENS TOO.
0: WELL, SOME OF THAT WILL HAPPEN ORGANICALLY AS um interest change over time. However, uh, to answer your previous question about what um, what's in place to prevent additional opportunity or that water coming back out of stream is a lot of the water rights will require what's called a water right change going forward and uh, we're going to be putting in stream flow as a purpose of use on those water rights to help protect um, that benefit going forward.
1: So it's only if those flows are provable and consistent sustainable sustainable that that that, that makes some sense um, Habitat restoration strategies. I'm just going to go through them here quickly um, You're doing all kinds of work in the side channels riparian vegetation Blowing out boulders to make a more natural fish ladder up the creek lining canals modernizing hatchery operations um, so there's a lot, of the, a lot of work in support of what this working group is doing um, on the physical side to actually make it happen. Um, here's another question I have. What's to keep another NGO from coming in and saying, oh, well, here's our perspective on this. We're going to sue now. Maybe the working group isn't going to sue, but we are, you know, Bob's, Bob's concerned about fish uh, NGO comes in to sue. Um, I don't feel like that's likely because they're going to see the success and not want to goof it up. But is that just a risk we take or are there any is there any way to prevent that? Or what are your thoughts on that? And Davis, you know, um, do you see outside groups wanting to get involved in this or have the problems been solved?
3: Well, I mean, in my experience, uh, that has happened. And so we are very experienced in dealing with, uh, you know, those kind of, uh, I would call it interference. If something, um, you know, is uh, benefiting uh, our our fishery and everybody is understanding why it's important that uh when they put in the Grand Coulee dam what what it did and and so and then working with uh with our neighbors I was I was tell our neighbors I said the Nation, we're not going anywhere and neither are you so you know we have <laughs> to uh figure out ways to uh, you know to, yeah. to make to And make sometimes it's some
1: group from New York Yeah. Are, I mean that's that's the thing they're not hip to this and all of a sudden you're defending again. Yeah. Um, last two minutes here. Here you are working to do all this remediation, all this work to increase the water, the capacity of the watershed, which includes some storage, um, luckily on Icicle Creek, because uh, this doesn't work without storage. So while there is a move right now around the West to take storage out, I don't see that happening on Icicle Creek. What I do see, however, is despite all your hard work, climate change coming in to kick it in the knee. So you, you have, you've built the infrastructure to get up to 200 CFS, but oh no, there's less rain and less snowpack because of climate change. How can that be mitigated? That's open for anybody.
0: Well, I think the science is telling us that the, the snowpack may be changing. We may be seeing more rain, but we're not actually seeing a decrease in water supply overall. So that's the good news. It's the retiming um, that we need to deal with. And you're correct that storage is gonna help mitigate that going forward.
1: Yeah, timing me moving that water a little later into the season,
0: or it might run off sooner, or peakier, or yeah, um, and having that infrastructure. So having the, instead
1: of having the big wash in May, June, we got some for July, August, and September.
0: Correct.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, what are your thoughts about climate change, Sean?
4: Well, I think that as we're making these adjustments at the reservoirs that we currently have, especially for the irrigation systems, you know, the more technology that we can put into place that is available now, we didn't have it, you know, fifteen, a hundred years ago when yeah. these things were designed. So as we're coming up to speed with that technology, it makes it so that we can time it differently. Because every year is going to be different. We might ha- see, you know, see this happening for five years, and it's going to dip, and we're going to see something for 10 years. But having the ability to quickly adjust to whatever is coming. Hold and release, is, kind of
1: fine tune that. Yeah.
4: yeah, otherwise we end up with a mud puddle up there that's an inch thick, you know, an inch deep, and and mud underneath it. So... Getting ahead of that and using the technology now, I think, is a wise thing to do. And then you're talking about the influences coming in from outside and saying you guys shouldn't be doing that in the wilderness. Well, we have the right to do it in the wilderness because it was here before it was designated. So should we make it as modern as we can and make it as efficient as we can? I think we should. So who's going to stand in the way of that modernization? Yeah,
1: and and we pop those dams out of there, which is the hip thing to do in other watersheds. Well, this watershed will cease to exist.
4: Exactly. Yeah good. Well,
1: great conversation, everybody. I really appreciate you coming here to talk to our audience in Western Washington a little bit about an East Slope um, issue, but I think it's instructive and I think, uh, I hope people in other watersheds
4: listen to this.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for
1: having
4: us. Thanks, Tom.
1: A few months ago, I spent a couple of days up in the Nooksack watershed to produce our Northwest Now special, Breaking the Barriers. I hope you'll check that out under Northwest Now's Saving the Salmon tab at kbtc.org. The bottom line, one consistent theme emerged on the Nooksack, and it was the same thing I've heard all across western Washington covering this issue for years now. Everybody is going to have to give a little, but in the end, we're all in this together when it comes to restoring salmon run.